there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. Taking on bureaucrats and corporations that would stand in the way of health freedom and making sense out of medical propaganda. The voice of health, freedom, and liberty, Robert Scott Bell. After five days out, back in studio, Autism One, what an event. Dr. Batar is with me for some Advanced Medicine Monday, and I've asked him on this Memorial Day Monday to carry me through the show. Dr. Batar, are you there? I am here, Robert. I'll do my best, but uh, you know you're you're not uh, easy to replace. So no, well, you know there have been a couple of times I know you've come off of long trips, and we just try to carry you through it. So I'm asking if I start stumbling my words this hour, you're there for me. I'm here. I got your back. Oh well, it was gr- it was great being up there, and I was glad I had uh, the nine steps to keep the doctor away. We've got the book and some key, some people's key people. I got one out to Luke Montagnier. The Health Keepers Alliance is going to do a review of the nine steps, and they're associated with the Health Freedom Expo. So I just want to let you know, very exciting news, and and you know we keep getting the message out all over the world. I appreciate that, Robert. I'm glad you got it in those people's hands. Yeah, it was really a heart moving kind of uh, experience there because of the you know the the face of autism or the face of that whole uh, you know vaccine damage community. Mm-hmm. where you can read about it and hear about it, but you're immersed in this. You're seeing these parents up front, up close personal, the children, some of the children that were there as well. And, and you, you realize, I mean, there's so much anger that could and should be there, and these parents are doing their level best to direct it in a very positive way. It is sometimes overwhelming because there is a lot of um, anger secondary to the pain that this uh, problem has obviously created. And, and you, as you said, the, the fear of not vaccinating the child uh, versus the anger of having vaccinated the child and then sustained in the conventional realm at least a permanent injury. Yes. And then having to deal with that dichotomy of those emotions. And it is tough. And I have no idea what has transpired over the last few years. But up until about 2007, which was the last year I went there to lecture, yeah, um, I know that at that time it was very frustrating. So I assume it's probably the same level of frustration or greater now. Well, yeah, th- there is that. There's a lot of new families in, and it, you know, being my first experience, I met a lot of old timers. I met some people that were there for the first time. For them, it was like a reunion. These parents never get away from this. Never. I mean, literally, that th- this weekend that they do is like a weirdly enough to say it's just like a celebration for them to come together of people of common experience that can appreciate what they're all going through. At the same time, really interesting things are happening. Strategy sessions are being made, laid out to, you know, one, one day have victory over this oppression, vaccine oppression. I had Brian Hooker on, Ph.D. He's the guy that's been reviewing all of the CDC and Freedom of Information Act requests. And it's a stunning story because those five studies, and we, you and I have talked about this on the air, these five studies that the CDC claimed that meant thimerosal mercury and vaccines don't cause autism, he found the data that showed just the opposite from those very same studies. So the, the CDC is very nervous right now, and there's more to come. 
Now, what was this guy's name? Booker, you said? Brian Hooker. He's a Ph.D. He's a guy that pulled out the, all of the original research and started requesting Freedom of Information Act uh, on the emails that were going back and forth. He found data that was redacted, pulled out of the study. He found the cherry-picking of the clinics that they that they just dropped from the study because it skewed the stats to the way they didn't want it to go. I mean, the corruption and criminality here they're not going to stop until people are in jail on this one. That's about how it should be anyway. Uh, when you first started talking about this, I thought you were talking about Brubaker, and Brubaker was a guy at the NIH. I believe it was the NIH that hired to do a study to prove once and for all, using the chimpanzee model, that there was no connection between autism and thimerosal. Yes. And he actually did the study, and he found not only that there was indeed a connection, it was a very significant, statistically significant correlation. And instead of recognizing his research that they paid him to do, they basically fired him and tried to keep him from releasing that information. So that was an interesting component that happened, I guess, maybe three or four years ago. Yes. I don't know whatever happened with that. but Well, it, well, it, it plays, all of this plays into the narrative that is, is being revealed. And again, I just had Dr. Hooker on. Uh, yesterday's show on Sunday, along with Jenny McCarthy, of all people, uh, she was there, got to interview her briefly, and uh, she's, boy, that, that that woman is a foul mouth, but she's hilarious, I have to say. She's a very funny lady. Yeah, she is. <laughs> I mean, the only person that can go to the Midwest and drop F-bombs in front of all these families, and they love her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, wild stuff, but really good things that are happening, and uh, can't wait to get you out to some more of these events as well. And people were very intrigued to see that your book was there, and I think they're going to be very much open to having you back on board soon. But in the meantime, we've got the Health Freedom Expo coming up, and that's going to be exciting, and I'll have your books up there. So for everybody out there that have has not gotten Dr. Batar's book, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away, I'll have some copies there for purchase at the Health Freedom Expo. So stand by June 15th through 17th. Now, as we talk about the autism connection to vaccines, you sent this to me. We saw this out there. They were talking about it this weekend. But in Italy, of all places, there's a study or, a, or let's say an acknowledgement by an Italian court that the MMR vaccine did indeed trigger autism. Well, it's interesting that in Italy, there's uh, I wish I could remember the name of the researcher now. He's a neurologist, pediatric neurologist, MD, PhD, and he was in charge of the public health sector for a certain region of Italy, including that included Vienna and Verona. Yes. And he invited me to come out and lecture, I guess it was probably in 2006, I must have gone out there. And it was very interesting because at that time, there was enough controversy uh, among the conventional pediatricians at that time in Italy to ridicule anybody who was proposing this uh, anti-vaccine movement. And this particular researcher, um, uh, I say he's a researcher, he was actually a clinician, but he also did research, didn't feel that there was a controversy, felt that the vaccines were clearly uh, something that needed to be looked at at least. And uh, so he put the symposium on, and I was one of the keynote speakers, and the pediatrician that he invited from Canada, it was, I believe, from Toronto, a very prominent pediatrician who's very pro-vaccine was also there. Mm-hmm. And um, what transpired was a very interesting, I don't know what you want to call it, but it almost broke into a fist fight type of thing. Oh, my, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. It was really bad because uh, 
I, I was the keynote speaker, and he was also a keynote speaker. He went right after me, but basically what he did was he started showing my slides and talking about how this wasn't actually fact, and he was doing it in a very condescending, very nonchalant, like, you know, this is just not science, blah, blah, blah. Just but he was only it, yeah. uh, putting out bits of information, in other words, you know, the half-truths. And I was getting more and more agitated. One of the epidemiologists came up, you know, because I was trying to respond, but of course I didn't have the speaker. And I was on the stage, and they were trying to calm me down. And I was getting more and more hostile. And yeah. uh, before it just erupted, it was really amusing what had happened. There was a mother in the audience who stood up uh-huh. in the middle of his lecture and started speaking Italian and very, very angrily. I didn't know what she was saying, so I put on my headphones, which was where the interpreter, there was like seven different countries there, seven different languages that were speak, being spoken there, so it was all being translated. So I put my headphones on to see what she was saying, and she just cursed this guy out, called him a lying, you know, son of a bitch, and yeah. the whole thing just went off, and they were translating this, and he was a little taken back because he didn't expect an, an, a member of the audience to react this way, and she was crying while she's yelling and screaming at him, and then she says that my son... Um, at the age of nine was still in diapers and Dr. So-and-so, this Italian physician, uh, started following my research, started following my protocol, uh, Dr. Bittar's protocol. Yes. And her son now was no longer in diapers, was now not only speaking, but was almost mainstreaming. He had an aid in, in a mainstream class and everything that this guy was saying, she's just crying when she's saying it. She said, everything that you're saying, it's a lie and started damning him to hell and saying that, wow. you know, that he would burn in the eternal fire. I mean, she was just going off on this guy. And I just, I just sat back and I thought, well, I guess I didn't have to retort to any of that. And <laughs> the audience started clapping and the guy was basically booed into shutting up and sitting down. Wow. It was a really, really interesting thing that happened in Italy. And this was, you know, like I said, this was six years ago, five years ago. Well, so when you see it- the study come out from Italy now, it just kind of brings back that flash. And I think... Well, they said, oh, well, we are so far backwards and the U.S. is so advanced. And I said, no, believe me, the U.S. is very backwards. Everybody's backwards. But I think Italy has shown over here that they are more advanced than we are. Yeah, well, it it also shows, just like we see today, that the mothers, the outraged mothers would lead the way as they were back then. Now we're seeing, of course, more warrior dads, thankfully. But there's the case in point years ago in Italy where the mom stood and said, uh-uh, you're not getting away with this. And that's a good thing, but it, you know we always acknowledge it's unfortunate that the kids have to suffer before we wake up and see the tyranny, the medical tyranny occurring, uh, for all the reasons we've covered for so many years. But very interesting this this MMR vaccine triggering autism, the court acknowledging it. This is one of those shots are reverberating right now around the world, and they're scrambling. The so-called vaccine establishment, the vaccine religion, is scrambling. How are we going to keep this under wraps? And I know they have already lost. They're losing it more every day, and they're increasingly desperate. Yeah, it is the death struggle of that dying beast, and it's interesting, Robert. We've talked about this so many times, but we see the amount of effort that's being exerted to try to cover up, and it's that blanket that's constantly unraveling. And no matter how – or the sinking ship, if you will, when you plug one hole, five more sprout up, and – their, sink, their, their ship is sinking so quickly, and they're running out of plugs to plug all the holes, and the holes are rising at an exponential rate, and it's only a matter of time 
before that ship sinks. It's not a question of if it'll sink. It's a question of when will it sink. Yes, yes. And, and of course, we are on Memorial Day here in the United States. And although we are not warmongers here on this show, we recognize the legitimacy of having a military for defensive purposes. And one of the things that I'm outraged about is the fact that we, we've we sent or those uh, so-called fearless leaders, wise overlords, our uh, men and women into battle that you know defies uh let's say a goal that could be could be defined and yet they come back damaged and injured and now we're learning that the the va system is ill-equipped to handle them there are cuts that are happening and the you know the so-called promise that is made or should be made to care for those who have gone out in this way uh this is a you know something that i don't like to have to acknowledge but we have to bring it up here well it is a very sad day when the people that we are who's who's uh sacrifices we're celebrating what was promised to them can't be delivered uh and again this is another situation where our governments clearly failed at keeping their promise and doing what they were supposed to do yeah and you've served in the armed forces we've talked about some of your stories from being in there uh if they would adopt if every va medical center would adopt some of the things that are written about in the nine steps to keep the doctor away not only would we have healthier veterans we would probably reduce costs significantly Many of the principles in the military anyway, such as the exercise aspect, Robert, they live by a certain uh, standard and they believe that exercise is important. That's one reason every soldier has to do exercise in the morning. You have PT and there's certain components that they really push. Example, water. When you're out in the field every 30 minutes, if it's hot, the non-commissioned officer in charge will basically tell the soldiers they have to mandatorily pull out their, uh, their, their canteens, they have to open them up, they have to drink them. Uh, you know, it's not something that they allow even the soldier to decide if he's thirsty or not type of thing. So there are certain principles that the military really indoctrinates. The question is, do they promote that beyond the level of the lower ranks, if you will? Mm -hmm. So in other words, once you become a higher rank, they may become more lax. And then, of course, when soldiers retire. So if the people did uh, take a lot of this to heart and actually lived by those rules on a consistent basis. And I think that's where the key comes in, the consistency aspect. Right. It's, not, it's not an issue if you fall off one day a week or you know, two days a week or you go out and you have pizza. In fact, I had pizza tonight. You know, it's, not, it's not becoming fanatical and doing all these things every single day, seven days a week, 12 months a year type of thing, but it's leaning towards the right and and being consistent as much as you possibly can. And I think that those principles, uh, and we've talked about responsibility, if people just took yes. that responsibility. And I think across the board in the military, probably more so than the general public, that is the case. They do take more responsibility, but it is something that I hope that more and more people embrace and uh, benefit from and see the benefits themselves. All right. Well, when we come back from this Memorial Day edition of the Robert Chad Bell Show, it's Advanced Medicine Monday, the Medical Rewind with Dr. Rashid Batar. We'll talk about how do we maintain that balance in an increasingly unbalanced world. There's a story out of Miami. I can't wait to get out of South Florida based on what's happening. A story about zombies, really, coming up after this. If you're looking for FDA-approved radio... You're listening to the wrong show. This is the Robert Scott Bell Show. Rock 
rock in the health world through the power of radio. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. Special thanks to all those who have served the country in the military. And we hope that we can move forward in a future where we can care for our veterans and also not send our active duty personnel into wars without declaration and without a definable way to know when we've won and get them home. But that is the same story, another story. I don't know, Dr. Batar, but I think we're aligned on this context and concept, just like the immune system. We've kind of made parallels to that. But now there's so many bizarre stories. We're going to talk about the uh, zombie issue in Miami momentarily. But uh, once again, acknowledging uh, those that have, have served right here on this Memorial Day special edition of the Robert Scott Bell Show. Well, happy memorial to everyone out there that, that served with the military and also to those that are family members, wives, uh, widows of soldiers in the past. And I hope that the rest of us all remember that even though we're celebrating Memorial Day today, there are many other soldiers currently serving in over 700 different bases throughout the world outside of the United States. And so keep them in mind when we enjoy our barbecues and our swimming pools uh, today. Mm -hmm. And it's important, I think, that we all remember not only the ones that have served in the past, but also serving currently. Absolutely. And, of course, the, the concept of defense protection not only applies to the military, it applies to each individual. Every one of us uh, has an obligation to learn how to defend ourselves and our families. And, of course, this story is so horrific here. I uh, didn't even want to have to cover it, but I can't ignore it. Uh, Mike Adams also covered it after the, the old media was on this because they couldn't ignore it either. But in Miami, a, a man, naked man, was eating the face of another man. It's just, it just a bizarre. You can't make this up. This is like X-Files movies, but this happened in real life. The police shot the man. He continued as if he wasn't shot until they had to shoot him until he was dead. And Mike brings up the point of the zombification of the American human, so to speak, by fluoride, by drugs, by you know so many things here in this thing. And I think it's a, a another warning sign of what's to come if we don't change our ways. Well, it's really interesting what Mike says, too, here, which makes a lot of sense. And I've never put it into perspective, but when you look at all the com combinations of the f detriments from aspartame, from saccharin, from fluoride, from psychiatric drugs, from vaccines he puts down over here, also street drugs, including in there, that it causes, according to what Mike wrote here, lobotomizing the higher brain, which makes complete sense. We know that many of these components by themselves will alter neurochemistry and to collectively actually lobotomize the brain or have a chemical lobotomy, if you will, makes complete sense. I don't know what the effects are, but I do know that there's a thing such as synergism. And if there's positive synergism, there's also negative synergism. So if you put all these detrimental things together, God knows what the possibilities are. Yes, and that's uh, definitely what we're seeing here. I mean, we can talk just in, in terms of simple hypoglycemia, combined with an ignorance of that reality and then instead replacing it with uh, ADHD drugs or uh, SSRI drugs. And we link back to all of the school shootings where the kid that the parents claim, my little Johnny was just, you know, a happy, contented kid or he was, he would never harm a flea, so to speak. And yet they go wild and shoot. And here's a case of taking it to an nth extreme where you've combined this over now, not just a few years, but even generational declines playing themselves out, and we're t reverting into a zombie-like, animal-like state where there is no right and wrong that something like this can happen off of a Hollywood set in the real world. 
Well, he's got the zombification of America under this listing. There's like numerous links here, Robert. And it's while you were saying what you were saying just now, I'm reading this too at the same time. And it's just a, unbelievable some of these things. I didn't even realize some of these things that he's got listed here. For instance, the increase in sales of products made from human babies. Recently in Korea, a company was busted selling powdered human baby in a capsule as a longevity pill. Uh. They've got all sorts of strains in the centers of disease control. They've recently warned Americans to prepare for what they call the coming zombie apocalypse. Yeah, I remember we covered that. I think they were trying to do a spoof, but it was so bizarre because it fed, fed into reality as well, and evidently it's still up there. We made fun of them for doing it. At the same time, we acknowledged their their role in zombifying the, the uh, American species and also how they impact the world with their vaccine schedule and suggestions and all of the medicines drugs fda approves on top of the vaccines and the deficiencies that are occurring because the food is so devoid much less uh, now genetically modified this could be and was and has been predicted by some over the years yeah it's uh very disturbing to say the least i i'm just i'm just telling people i I think if you live in a a highly densely populated city right now you've got to be thinking about it's not just about people looting for food if the economy goes bad but now this is a sign that you know these strange movies how can i say it hollywood imitating life and vice versa are something that i don't want to have to think about but we must well the The practical aspect about this article that I like is that Hornaday, which is a manufacturer of ammunition, has a new round that they've been putting out now called the Zombie Max Ammo. And in its promotional (laughs) video, it even publicizes the superior ballistics that this uh, particular ammo has at negating, I guess would be the right word of... uh, how do you stop a zombie? I mean, they shot this they shot this man and he continued being a zombie until they finally had to kill him. So th- this is something that if you're living in the city, please be prepared. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but look, it already has. So the uh, the things that were untenable and unthinkable now are happening before our very eyes. Yeah, I, Robert, this is I, I don't know whether I should be laughing at this or whether this is serious, but I mean, apparently in Hornaday's advertisement i suppose it is in their promotional yeah. video it says hornaday zombie ammunition is not a toy but is instead used only to be used on zombies also known as a living dead undead etc <laughs> now it's, it's somebody that that has um firearms and that is uh, pro protection protecting yourself uh, i've never even heard of this round but this is a real thing this i thought this was supposed to be like a spoof that no, Mike did, but it's not. It's real. No, and and the thing is, there. This has happened, and you see these incidents. As everybody, I've got the link up at robertscottbell.com If you haven't read it, and some people are horrified by it, as they should be, uh, but some people are horrified that Mike would write about. It. Why wouldn't he? We, we're covering these stories in in a way that the old media will not. I mean, they'll sensationalize it, and it is horrific, and it's not hard to sensationalize. But we'll take it to the extent that there's a reason that this is happening. It's not just a random act. And I think those in the the old media, they don't connect the dots for anybody. In fact, they'd, they'd rather keep the dots disconnected to keep people in a state of fear and frenzy, etc. Here we are actually trying to say, you got to be practical about this. There's a reason this is happening. You may have taken steps to make sure it doesn't happen to you and your family as far as the zombification aspect of it. But there are many around you that are already you know, beyond... Uh, let's say, bringing back, perhaps. Well, Robert, here's a company, though. I mean, Hornaday is not a small company. This is a 
this is a major, major player, and they've actually got a round. I mean, I'm, maybe maybe they were just maybe it's just coincidence that they happen to have a round that they've called this. But I'm looking at their stuff now, and it's amazing that they've actually got a specific round designed for this. So this must not be an isolated type of scenario. If it wasn't, why would a major, major manufacturer of ammunition actually create a round? specifically for this type of a scenario. I think that's, I'm going to have to... That's the disturbing thing to me. I know. I think I'm going to have to have Super Don check into this, see if we can get a comment from the maker, Hornaday, for, uh, of these of these bullets to firearms to find out what's going on on that end. But, to, you know, the discussion has to happen. The discussion has to happen. We as a culture in the West, in America, have long pretended that we could conquer nature that we could, instead of looking at nutrition, we could take a drug. Instead of strengthening our immune system, we could rely upon toxic poisons injected, including mercury. These are things that are all bizarre, to say the least, but they've created a, such a delusion. And now we're seeing the results of the delusion go, go into the realm of Hollywood B-movie fiction. Robert, if you look at how food tastes when you go overseas and you taste the food back in the States when you come back home, there's a marked difference in just the taste of food. Mm-hmm. For instance, eggs taste different. Uh, now, of course, at my farm, we have our own eggs. And when I started eating those eggs, to me, they tasted far better. But my wife said that they t- our eggs tasted strong. And now when I do eat an egg outside at a restaurant or something, there is such an unbelievable difference. And I remember when I was in Spain, when I ate eggs there, uh-huh. they tasted strong, but they, they just, there was more nutrient value. So when our sure. senses get dumbed down, when we have something that actually has nutrient value, it tastes strong to us. Okay, and yeah. You know, I want to talk more about this on the other side of this break, Dr. Batar, because the movement on toward local food for local farmers, Amish kind of methodologies, as well as to grow our own food is growing. This is part of the way we can counter the zombie apocalypse. Now I'm going to share a little bit about my experience at Autism One being away from home and not having access to the best food that I would have liked to have had. Hopefully give you insight as to what you can expect. So stand by. More with Dr. Batar after this break. The Robert Scott Bell Show. go where the truth takes him. Here's Robert. As you know, if you've been listening today on the Robert Scott Bell Show, I just got back from Autism One. I was away from home for five whole days. And when I go out of town, I typically travel with my food until I can get access to food that I know the quality of. And I had some ability to do that, but five days being pretty much locked down in a hotel, I didn't have access to the best of the best, did my best, and I went to some restaurants that claimed to be farmed to fork the table kind of stuff and realized that my body was telling me it wasn't as clean as I was used to. And so at the tail end of this, this was in the last day, I started getting a scratchy throat and a runny nose and sneezing. Now, nobody had sneezed on me. Nobody had coughed on me at this event. And this is, I've experienced this before having gone away and not being certain of the quality of food because I've cleaned my body. So, so uh, over so many years, Dr. Batar, and it, again, confirms to me that what these colds are are really toxicological events manifesting in a body's uh, desire to throw it out. 
And through me, the throat starts getting scratchy, the lymph, you can feel it, and then the sinus starts draining, and it's just saying, hey, we got to get the garbage out. Now, I realize people that are chronically ill and eat bad food all the time no longer react. That was my upbringing for the first uh, 18, 19, 20, 24 years. But now my body tells me, dude, you ate the wrong stuff, and here I am, Dr. Batar, but it's a great learning experience. I hope others pay attention to it. Well, Robert, also there's uh, another component. The people that are cleaner, and I've experienced this myself, the, the cleaner you get, the more susceptible you become to, in, in a way, it's, your immune system is obviously getting stronger, but you become also more susceptible to getting toxic because it's a two-way revolving door. When you open up the, the doorways of the cell, if you will, to get the toxins out, you're also allowing those toxins to possibly get back in. So you become more sensitive to what you're eating. In order to get the stuff, the crud, out of your body, those pathways have to open up, but it can also allow things back in. So before, as an example, I could eat fast food when I was younger. I didn't have any problem. But over the last uh, seven, eight years, when I've been doing a lot of detoxification myself, basically living the principles that I preach, I can't eat fast food now because I just get terribly sick. It's, uh, It's a cathartic thing. It's almost like taking uh, 20 grams of vitamin C orally, I, yeah. I just, you know, it's, I feel a, terrible afterwards. And But it's a healthy state to be in, is my point, even though it's kind of bizarre because we are living in a toxic world. Everybody needs to make a decision as to, quote, unquote, how clean they want to be. But when I started getting well, changing my diet and lifestyle, like I used to eat at places like the Waffle House. I'd be out on a job and I'd go to the Waffle House. I'm just revealing you my American upbringing and background. No problem. Nothing would happen to me that I know of. As I started getting healthier, made better choices, and I remember one time I was out on a job back when I was a photographer, and I went to a Waffle House on a morning event thing, and I literally, my body said, "Uh uh-oh, get that out of here, and I had to run to the bathroom. Let me just say that. But I was getting stronger. I didn't realize at the moment, but my mentor in homeopathic medicine was explaining to me, listen, your body is now rejecting that which it had no energy to reject. It's a healthier thing. Instead of going down the road to cancer, which I knew I was on, I was now changing. Now, some people say, well, that's inconvenient. I I don't want to have to eat fast food and run to the bathroom. Listen, if you're making the choice to eat fast food, I I can't help you. (laughs) But this is the point of explaining or sharing these stories so that maybe they can impact upon you. Yeah, I don't think it's very convenient also when you get cancer or when you get exactly, heart disease yes. or any of these sicknesses that cause you to become debilitated and uh, no longer a productive member of society. And then you're having to scramble and trying to find out what to do and how to do it. And, mm-hmm. you know, it amazes me that when patients have cancer, they now immediately change their diet. Whereas, in fact, that dietary change that could have prevented this was important to have done 5, 10, 15, depending on the type of cancer, up to 20 years before. Yes. But at the point when they finally initiate these changes, it's just um, a little too late for dietary changes to, to make a difference. In other words, yes, it's good to stop polluting the system, but it's certainly not going to reverse the pathology that's been created because at that point when it's been diagnosed, it's, it's, it's way, way late. Yeah, way into it as well. Exactly. And, and I think it was interesting because I, I got to meet and interview do, uh, Professor Luc Montagnier, who is a doctor. Of course, he was the Nobel Prize winner for so-called discovering HIV. And we disagreed on a number of things, but it was a very cordial interaction. I talked about some of my perspectives because even though he was there at the autism one speaking about the damage from vaccines and he acknowledged and recognized it and he was trying to develop gut protocols, he was still using antibiotics. And I understand that he's a doctor. And I, and I said, listen, if you could identify botanicals, metals, we talked silver, to do this, why would you resort to that unless you really needed to? 
And I explained to him how I would utilize silver for different things, including the human papillomavirus, because it's virostatic. It would stop it from replicating. And it's like, what are all these diseases we're vaccinating against? Mostly they're viral. Imagine if you can take care of it, why do you need the vaccine? And I could see him thinking and going, uh, you know. And then later, the next day, I met with him and his assistant. I'd given them a bottle of silver, and she had some kind of eye infection. And I said, drop some of the silver in your eye. And she was so excited the next day. She came up to me with Montagnier and said, I did it. I did what you said. And literally in an hour, it was gone. And so as I'm talking to Montagnier again about this, I mentioned the HPV. He says, oh. We don't, so we don't need vaccination, you know. So I can see it happening. It's very funny how this is evolving. So he uh, he was receptive to everything you said. Then he was. It was like I said. It was very cordial. Uh, he knew we had disagreements, but I, I'm I'm a kind of guy that if a person has an open mind, is willing to discuss, even debate. I, I'm all for it. It's just those that you know that shout you down because they have no basis for their position. Like you talk. Like remember the, the, the Italian guy you talked about, right? But I have to give props to Montagnier. He's very open to energy medicine now. He's developing technologies to identify signatures of uh, pathogens, literally resonant frequencies. And he's working with homeopathy and stuff. So the guy, he says, now I've got my Nobel Prize. I can do what I want. I said, yeah, exactly. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So interesting stuff. But here's the case where a lot of doctors can't give up on the vaccines because I interviewed some people there who said, Wes, we acknowledge the danger of vaccines, but I'm not anti-vaccine. I'm still pro-vaccine. I was like, you guys have got to get. What does that mean? Yeah, I know. Uh, But like Wakefield, at least he's he's acknowledged even on the air to say, no, I would not vaccinate my child. Just as you said, based on everything, there's no validity anymore to it. But there's so many that are still stuck halfway there. Okay, yes, it may be dangerous, but maybe we can just clean them up a little bit. Yeah, it's almost like making a deal with the devil. To me, it's like making a deal with the devil. You cannot say from one mouth. It's bad, but, you know, we could maybe use it. It's like chemotherapy. Well, some people say, well, we use low dosing, some potentiated chemotherapy. You know what? Chemo is a poison, and any amount of toxicity in an already toxic system that's already had an immunosuppression assault and an uncontrolled cellular proliferation scenario now underway with suppression of apoptosis, which are the common characteristics of cancer, you can't give that person any more poison. I don't see any reason to have another assault on the person's physiology when they've already been assaulted. So you can't make these kind of political compromises, and that's what I see them as. I see mm-hmm. these as political compromises or trying to be socially correct or politically correct. You know, either either tell the truth and stick with it or don't even say that you, you're against it. Just, you know, stay on the devil's side as far as I'm concerned. Right. You know, it's interesting because I, I also interviewed Jenny McCarthy there. She was the... Um, comedian, actress, uh, she was former Playboy Bunny, evidently going to do it again, but uh, she's very pretty, and she's a smart lady. She was going to go into nursing before she went into acting, and she recognized after her child was vaccine damaged that, hey, this, there's, this is for real, and she's become a an outspoken advocate for the issue of va- vaccine, quote-unquote, safety. Now, she still you know, insists on not anti-vaccine. I think she's doing it because if she came out forcefully like we do, she would not work one more day in Hollywood. I think she's not stupid about that like that. So I don't completely criticize her for what she's done. She's been through it. She's got to make her own decisions. But she did acknowledge there are many Hollywood elite actors and actresses that have babies, children that were vaccine damaged, and they won't come out and say a word about it. But she knows them. They, they come to her. Yeah, uh, and some of these people we've talked about, actually, even on the show, Robert, the uh, 
child that died, John Travolta's child that died. Right. Yeah, Jet. Right. And there, and there, there are a number of them. Uh, <clears throat> he was vaccine damaged, I believe, as well. Right. Exactly. Yeah, Jenny was the one who sent me the Redskins cheerleader, so... Yeah, no, no, she's a she's a nice lady, very smart, very funny, but at the same time, I know some people will criticize me for, for not, like, attacking her for not being anti-vaccine, right? I look, what's the point of that? Does it do, if I attack Montagnier in the interview, hey, yeah, I disagree, you know, what is the point of that at some point? These people are doing some good, and I'm here to encourage more of that, and I said, look, even though you've come out in, in a large part to awaken people to the danger of vaccines, you're still working. So I'm saying, hey, anybody out there afraid you're going to lose your job? Look, Jenny McCarthy is still working. So maybe others will speak up as well. Yeah, and I think the way you're doing it too, Robert, makes a lot more sense because to alienate somebody by pointing out their flaws as opposed to the way you're doing it, which is trying to educate them and helping them to become more cognizant and more mm-hmm. evolved, obviously that has more purpose to it because then you've got another person that's now not only understanding this, but has the ability to perhaps promote and educate others to our way of thinking as opposed to us alienating them and then forever silencing their potential of helping other people in, in the future. I mean, yeah, we're fully capable of going on the attack when needed, right? But we have you know, we have to assess the situation and say, what is the end? What is our goal? Is it is it to awaken people? Is it to bring them to greater consciousness and hopefully get them to do even greater works? And I think that if somebody is going to go on the attack against us, we'll recognize this is where they probably are, and we might have to act accordingly. But I see you know semblance and evidence of good works even in these people that are in an awakening phase as well. So I appreciate that acknowledgement. But yeah, that's what we try to do here and you do it much better than i i do because i i don't think i'm as evolved as you are so <laughs> just keep me in line <laughs> no it's you know it's the diplomat in me i don't know but we have fun together and it's good to bring it up and, and also be passionate as we are about it listen we're going to come back and wrap up uh, today's show dr batar has actually been you don't know this he's been carrying me through today because i am exhausted honestly from the weekend i need some recovery time here on this Memorial Day after the show. That's it. It's break time for a day or so, but we'll, we'll see. we got lots more to do. Uh, talk about with Dr. Batar. Remember, the nine steps to keep the doctor away. International bestseller. I'll have it as well at Health Freedom Expo. I hope to see everybody there June 15th through 17th in Chicago, Schaumburg, Illinois. I'll be rested by then. Stand by. Dr. Batar and I will be right back. The Robert Scott Bell Show. on bureaucrats and corporations that would stand in the way of health freedom. Here's Robert. We sure hope they don't turn Memorial Day into Zombie Day, but we've had to cover that story. You'll see the links up at robertscottbell.com. Of course, we talk all the time about nutrition and the nine steps to keep the doctor away. Critical aspects of the steps to get well is to have good food. Dr. Batar, you mentioned also going to Italy and eating food. I've been to Europe and the food's delicious. I get that kind of food when I go to a local farm, right? Even in America, you'll get that. The local Amish eggs we get as well makes all the difference in the world. Yeah, it really does. And actually, it was Spain that I was referring to because I remember the milk there and the, and the fruits there, the eggs there, the cheese there, how different it tastes and how good it tasted. And, and um, over here in our country, the food is just not the same. It just doesn't taste the same. And if you are eating the Amish or the, you know, something that's grown on a farm like our eggs, as I was mentioning to you, yes. my wife uh, f- feels that the eggs are too strong, but that's because she's not used to them. And I, I can't 
I don't even want to eat any eggs unless they're from our, our ranch now. But yeah. you know, this brings up that point with coming back to that zombie article, Robert. Mm-hmm. If you've got this aspartame drug-induced uh, and not, not only illicit drugs but even some of the prescription drugs and then the fluoride and then the heavy metals and all these things that are causing this chemical type of a lobotomy. And then, of course, looking at the lack of nutrients within the food, that has to be additive as far as the destructive component. Yeah. Oh, certainly. And of course, the damage to the uh, gastrointestinal system, the flora, the microbiome, just wiping out the good guys down there. And now there's a story on Medical News Today that relates to this, that London researcher is now calling a new approach uh, to regulate probiotics. He wants to turn yogurt into a drug. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You, you sent me that link. And this is, this is just unbelievable that, you know, remember we talked about the urine aspect, that if uh, Dr. William Hitt, who also won a Nobel Peace Prize or was part of a team that won the Nobel Peace Prize. He was one of my mentors. Mm-hmm. And he was using urine to isolate the antigen receptor sites in order to downregulate allergic responses, which is what we've used now to develop our soda. And we've been using it for now 10 years, actually um, 11 years, in treating patients that have been immunosuppressed with cancer or due to cancer. And, you know, they remember we talked about that. They would... Mm-hmm. The state of Texas, at least, created the scenario that because urine was being used to determine these antigen receptor sites or urine was being used to create this antigen receptor site vaccine for allergies, that they declared urine to be a drug, a person's <laughs> own urine. Right. And, you know, this, I mean, that's, that's absurd enough. Or if water is claimed to cure dehydration, it's now a drug. Right. Or in this case, with yogurt now being well, regulated. You know that, Dr. Batar. That sure. reminds me of something we were just talking about off the air. Rand Paul in the Senate last week yeah. went after the FDA and said, enough of this. You yeah. know, we, we're spending hundreds of millions of dollars on what? Raiding Amish farms? Yeah, and going yeah after- exactly. He, he, yeah, he said that something about the, the FDA should not be allowed to uh, brandish weapons in order to go against farmers. And, you know, this is, this is amazing that somebody, a senator, would actually bring this up. And, of course, it's no surprise this Rand Paul, which is Ron Paul's son and you know, this is so exciting. And yet, Robert, I didn't know what the vote went. You said that not one single Democrat and only 15 Republicans voted in favor of it? Correct. Yeah. They, and it tells you how much it's corrupted there, how much they are paid off by interests that want to maintain a, a, an oligarchy, a monopoly control over information, the flow of information, which is totally un-American. And, and the fact that Rand Paul is a surgeon, he's a doctor, he knows yeah. better than anybody as far as what's risky, and the FDA's job is to protect us. And all these other people not voting for the bill, not, probably none of them or very few of them have the same type of uh, training in medicine, health, prevention, yeah. and yet they're voting against the bill. This is absurd. I, know. I mean, yeah. you've got a doctor saying that the FDA, I mean, if anybody has a vested interest in the FDA regulating drugs, it would be a doctor. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Conventionally. And yet he's saying that this is ridiculous. And the whole public sector knows how ridiculous it is but it's amazing that they can't go out and you you can't go out and get raw milk in fact i think two weeks ago maybe three weeks ago you played a little segment with ron paul yes he said that we know that we'll be making progress we know that freedom is making progress when we 
uh, can go out and actually buy raw milk. Yeah, I know. Astonishing how low the bar has been set now for Americans. But it was a very important point to make. And I've had the great fortune of interviewing both uh, Ron Paul and Rand Paul many times over the years. And uh, Ron was always, always so accommodating and welcoming of, of holistic and aggressive methods. Even if you didn't know about him, he always fell on the side of freedom. Rand Paul, I could hear, was a little more reluctant because you know he's more modern trained ophthalmologist and when i brought up some natural things he's like oh i don't know about that but I, yeah i support your freedom to do it right so it was funny how little, you could see subtle distinctions in, in father and son but at the same time this shows that he stands for these principles of liberty even if he doesn't have as much experience as his father had with it yeah exactly because the issue here is not whether or not Rand Paul knows or has had the privilege or the Experience. advantage that we've mm-hmm. had with the education that we've sought out, out or, mm-hmm. or, you know, was he in a position to even be exposed to some of these things? Because in surgery, there's less opportunity and people are busy doing their thing within their own sectors, within sure. their own fields. So it's not as, you know, they're not exposed to it or they don't have as much chance to expose being exposed to some of these natural things. But the fact is, it's about the mere freedom of choosing the type of treatment for the public sector, for them to be able to pursue whatever avenue they want. I mean, it's no different than the freedom of religion. Well, yeah, it's fundamental in that way. And with that, we're going to have to wrap it up. This has been an amazing Advanced Medicine Monday, Dr. Patar, Memorial Day, the things we've been able to discuss. I want to say thanks to Dr. Janet Levitin, who joined me from Autism One. We played that interview last hour, and she's a pediatrician who does not vaccinate. She uses homeopathy. We love her as well. And Dr. Batar, the nine steps to keep the doctor away. Go get it. And if you don't, I see you at Health Freedom Expo. You're going to get it there. <laughs> so, Dr. Batar, thanks again. Always a pleasure to be with you. And we kicked off the week in style. And just reminding everybody that the power to heal is yours. 